It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. Welcome to the Invested Podcast. We're back. We're back. Looking Where forward to talking to you guys. Talk Where about long-term about? value investing in the we style of Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. Long-term value I investing. I never get to say the intro. This is fun. Well, you know what? I I took a look at like CBS, Columbia Business School has a little online class they sell for $3,700 to do value investing. Cool. And I looked at it and it's it's taught by, you know, some people that teach value investing at Columbia are used to. And it's the same kind of class that Lee Lu was when he was talking to the the students at Columbia Business School and just telling them you don't know the most important things about investing. And you've been doing this value investing class for an entire semester. And I, I'm sort of frustrated that Columbia doesn't, I just, they teach it differently than we do. They're just different. <laughs> I mean, I well, feel like the difference, that's the difference okay. is. That's okay. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the difference is whether you're going to Wall Street or not. Jeez. If you're going to Wall Street, yeah, take Columbia Business School because they're teaching you Wall Street value investing. Massive diversification, blah, blah, blah. I think if you want real value investing, stick to this podcast. You're going to get it. <laughs> All right. With that. All right. Well, what I want to know with real value investing, I'm not sure I buy into that dichotomy. With our talk about value investing, I want to know how you go through Peloton because we were getting into that last time and it, yeah. um, it sounded All right, we gotta jump quite back intriguing. In here. We got to jump back into Peloton. So, All right. So he here we go. Let's let's just dive back in where we were. Okay. Okay. So. So do they have a moat? Well, the, yeah. And really, real quick, let me just make a comment that we've made okay. many times here on the on this podcast, and that is that because the price was X, and now it's down at one quarter of X, or one tenth of X, or one hundredth of X, doesn't mean squat. Totally. About whether that thing is on sale or not. Totally. It's it's like deciding gold's on sale because down in Miami Beach you see a gold store that says ninety percent off. <laughs> you you might want to ask ninety percent off of what, <laughs> right? And that's the same thing going on here at one hundred and sixty bucks a share. What in the world was somebody pricing this company at? And what is it priced at today at twenty dollars a share? Right. So I like to just go over and take a quick look at the market cap because I want to look at a business like I want to buy the entire business, okay? Yeah, yeah. All right? At $26 a share, which is where it is today, um, and and we're, we're recording, so this isn't going to come out, you know, exactly on the day. Um, right. So you, the market price will be different. But on this day, it had an $8.8 billion market price. So if you want to buy all of it today, and if somehow you could collect all the stock without affecting the stock price, which you can't, but if you could, theoretically, um, you would pay $8.8 billion for the entire company. Now, remembering that the company was selling for seven times more than this, right? <laughs> About seven times more than this. 
meant that at one point this company was selling for about $55 billion. Mm-hmm. $55 billion. Okay. So now how would we figure out if that's a bad price or a good price? $55 billion, was that a steal? $8.8 billion, is that a steal? Is this thing on sale? How would I know that? Yeah. How would I know that? How would you, you know that? What do you think? I mean, how would we decide? All right. So the first thing we want to think about is what are we paying when we're paying $8.8 billion? What are we getting for our $8.8 billion? Hmm. What do we get to own? And and so the, the first thing I want to make sure of is, is that all I'm paying? $8.8 billion? Or do I owe some money on top of that as soon as I own this company completely? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a good idea? That would be a very good idea. I'm really enjoying this. I'm like, right? Just go through it. Okay. Right? So, would it be a good idea to find out if they have debt? Yes, it would be a good idea. It might be a good idea. So, (laughs) I'm going to look and see a couple of things. And this is kind of getting in the weeds a little bit, but don't get panicky because there's only a few little numbers here. Right? The first one is I want to know how much cash they have, how much cash is sitting there. And it's real important because I just happen to know this company raised a huge load of cash back back a year or two ago. So I want to see how much they got left because that'll affect what I'm thinking about in terms of the overall price that I'm paying for this thing. So if I'm buying a company and I'm paying $8.8 billion and I don't owe any money on it, it has, let's say it has no debt, and it's got $1.8 billion in cash in it, then I'm not really paying 8.8, am I? I'm paying like 7. If I bought the whole thing, I could pocket the cash, theoretically. But you're saying a lot of ifs. Or did you say that they do have... If. No, I'm, I'm just picking numbers up there. Oh, I'm ballparking. Okay. I'm ballparking. They actually have $1.6 in cash. Thank you. Cash and, and some short-term securities and stuff. $1.6 Right? Kind of cool. Okay. And their total current assets... Are let's see if I can spot this on here. Total current assets are about two point eight billion, and then I'm just looking at that because I kind of want to see what their current liabilities are. I don't want current assets minus current liabilities to be a negative number. So in fact, they owe current stuff means this is the money they can turn into cash in a year. That's current assets, and current liabilities is what they got to pay this year. Mm-hmm. So you kind of want to look at that real quick and and see. They got 2.8 billion in current assets and 1.2 billion in current liabilities. So they end up with 1.6 billion extra, which is how much cash they've got. So okay, good. They really legitimately have an available 1.6 billion. And then now what I want to look at is how much do they owe long term? And their long-term debt I'm not going to count their lease obligations and all that stuff. I'm just saying, what's their real long-term debt? And it's about 800 million bucks. So they really have about $800 million sitting in cash available that they don't owe anybody. And I'm buying the company for 8.8 billion. So I can really take down that eight, that 0.8, right? So it's really, I'm paying 8 billion bucks, which is good. Because some companies, you look at the market price of the company, it's 8.8 billion. And then you find out they got $4 billion of debt after you take the cash out. 
and then you're really paying $12 billion, not $8 billion. So these guys, you're really paying a little bit less than what it looks like on the market price, about $8 billion. So I can tell you really quickly, Daniel, what I'd be doing ordinarily. Uh, this I'm just taking is a, notes here, by the way. The, mono, <laughs> the monologuing is fantastic, and I'm just taking notes. Right, I'll, I'm just stop you. I'll stop you if there's something that doesn't make sense. All right. I hope you guys don't mind if you're driving in your car and I'm smashing numbers at you. I know it's just like brain fog time, but it's Just okay. go listen to it again later. Yeah. So essentially, we got a company worth $8 billion here, or, or market price of $8 billion. And immediately, I want to know, what would I pay for that if it was just an ordinary company? And and that meant an ordinary company, meaning it's it's going to be bigger in 10 years than it is today. It's got, it's got a long, durable market, big market, no glass ceiling. It, it, it's just going to be bigger. Like, I know they're going to be bigger. That that's, I've got to know that. So right now with Peloton, that's a big question. But let's just say I know they're going to be bigger. All right. In that case, then what I want to do is see if I can buy the company for $8 billion net cash, how much actual owner earnings am I getting off of this company right now? And I would like it to be $800 million. I'm going to pay $8 billion in cash. I would like to have $800 million in owner earnings coming off the company. So that's the first thing I'm going to look at is, okay, what's their real cash flow going on here? And I look at it and I see... Um, as of, I'm going to, I'm going to add the last four quarters because I really want to see what's going on right now. And I can see that their, their cash that's coming in after everything and all that, and they balance it all, all the smoke and mirrors. I'm just looking at operating cash flow. It's a single line on everybody's, uh, financial statements. And the last four quarters are totaling. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Ew. Minus one point one billion in operating cash flow. Yes. Oh man. Ugh. That's. Did you say minus one point one? Good. Yeah. Okay. That's scary. And the reason that's scary, number one, is it's not. It's not. It's not going to be even close to my own earnings number, right? Because now I got to. Well, I can add back in some taxes, but with these negatives, they're not paying any taxes, so I'm not going to add that back in. And I, it's only going to get worse because they might be doing capital expenditures. And oh yes, they are another three hundred million in capital expenditures. I'm going to say most of that is attempting to grow. So I'm just forget that they're still losing one point two billion, and they've only got about they got one point six billion in cash. That gives them a year. They got a year, a year and a quarter runway here before they're out of cash. Now, that is not what I want to own. And that would tell me there's a big, big question 
about whether they're going to be a lot bigger in 10 years than they are today because they might not even be here in five. You see what I'm saying right away? Yeah, yeah. Number one. Number two, it tells me there's a serious, serious problem with the way the company's being run. I can't tell if there's a moat problem. I mean, remember, the revenue is going up, but they're just burning money. And why? Why are they burning so much money? Are they just spending a ton of money to get sales? Right? I don't know. But when they built that new studio in New York and it cost $50 million and they started that before the pandemic rise, it just, it struck me as very poor capital management. Well, I'll tell you, in the great scheme of things, honey, that $50 million, that ain't nothing. These got, guys the are, rest of it has got to be on like trying to get production going and expanding uh, their ability to fulfill. It's got to be. I hope it is. Uh, what else? Their changes in working capital are massively negative. So they've got real inventory issues going on here. Yeah. And um, that means the company, ex- the people running the company expected one thing and got another. They ex- it looks like they expected their growth rate to continue through the pandemic, past the pandemic, and it didn't. People got sick and tired of being home and wanted to go back in the gym. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Right? They're riding their because bikes Because why outside. would you shut down production except that you planned poorly? Right. They could have right. easily planned for that slowdown. Wow. So this is getting more interesting by the minute because... It may be that they can figure this out before they run out of money. This may be a temporary, horrible scenario where the management team is like, don't worry, don't worry. I know we took on water, but we've got it. It's under control. We got the storm handled and it's the storm is abating. Well, and here's the part that I like. We talk constantly about fearful, cowardly CEOs. Yeah. And this management team was willing to take what they knew would be a massive hit to their stock once it got out that they were shutting down production. No That's question so they knew that that good. was going to happen. Very and they big still a. did it. Yeah. What they could have done was try to like hide it and keep it, you mm-hmm. know, kind of like mm-hmm. gradually just lose money, lose money, lose money, yeah. pr- have have a warehouse filled Your with bikes typical somewhere. Typical mercenary yeah. guy is going to But he was that. willing to take or whoever I don't know if it was John Foley or not, but somebody was willing to take the hit and he signed off on it and they took the hit. So this was not unpredictable. <laughs> um, I can tell you something I like else. It's somebody not unpre- that's willing to not care so much about what the stock price is. Yes, I agree. And also what's not entirely unpredictable, meaning it's potentially predictable. I mean, if you're in, the CEO's shoes, forget about the stock price. What you want to do is get back to a positive cash flow as quickly as you can here before mm. you run out of cash. Mm. Because if your stock price has been hammered down to 20 and you have to go for more cash, it is really going to dilute your shareholders dramatically. Um, or you're going to take on a load of debt that's going to be relatively short term and probably mm-hmm. secured by assets. Mm-hmm. So they're not in a good position to go raise money or raise debt. They need to get themselves in that position. They have been cash flow positive in the past. Um, all they have to do maybe is just shrink their operation down to where it's actually positive cash flow. 
And they might be able to do that because they've already built the stuff. They've got all this inventory, right? Yeah. So, dang, maybe they're going to have a really good-looking quarter coming out of this thing. Now, what would that mean for us if we're thinking, wow, I really love this company. I think they're a wonderful company, and I think they're really well-managed. So in our four Ms, we understand the business. Let's just say we've really dug into this whole industry, and we really like these guys. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, by the way, you guys. This is not recommendations or advice or anything. This is education, how no. you would go about this if you're interested in Peloton. I think it's also clear, hopefully it is, that neither of us are experts on this company. So this yeah, is we're not experts on uh, this company. Us talking out of our asses, basically. Yeah, basically. This is us being analysts, and analysts are just blowing smoke until they get enough information to where they're not. <laughs> so we're just blowing smoke here and helping you guys see how blowing smoke looks when you're doing it. And that's what we're doing right now. It's like we're speculating based on a little bit of information wow, this could potentially be something interesting. Potentially could be. If that's a really durable moat, and it may well be a wonderful network moat. We have to do some digging on that. It may well be that Nuno's experience of moving over to Zift is just kind of a very minority experience. Nuno has like an eight-pack. Well, it's a totally different, much more like serious world. world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, much more serious. He's not a couch potato out there just, hey, I want to ride with my buddies. He doesn't enjoy the, uh, you know, Britney Spears themed classes. Let's put it that way. Right, exactly. Whereas I do, totally. (laughs) By the way, I don't know if you saw Saturday Night Live, but they did a thing with um, Peyton Manning. No, I didn't see anything. Asking him if he had watched the, uh, the phenomenal games the previous weekend. Okay. And Peyton was like, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm watching Emily Loves Paris. <laughs> Emily in Paris. <laughs> Emily in Paris. <laughs> and he starts talking about the fashion, how awesome the fashion is in Emily. I mean, come on, man. That was excellent. I don't know why I just thought of that. But I don't know. <laughs> Peyton, man, he's getting so good at what he's doing. He's having a good time out there. I, I got, I got my shoes polished life. one time sitting next to Peyton Manning. I was on Aww. stage with him uh, for two or three events, and oh my god, he's such a nice guy. I mean, so many really famous people are kind of like put off by having to deal with the public, you know. Peyton was just totally like guy next door. I will add guy. that obviously he lived in Denver for many years, and everybody I know who knew him or encountered him said he was the same thing: ultra nice and a great yeah. guy and great family. That's Yay, awesome. Peyton so, Manning! Yeah, um, yay. Um, so anyway, so we've got. On, on the four M's that we go through, do we understand the business? Let's say we do. Um, do we love the management team? Let's say we do. And they're very competent. Uh, made a mistake here. but They're a little like psycho and crazy, I think. Okay, a little. <laughs> so management. And then, right? And then we got two things. We want to buy it on sale. And we want to know that it's got a durable moat so that we know it'll be bigger down the road. And that's, of course, the real question here. And the really tough question about any network kind yeah, of a moat right. is just how long is this baby going to last, right? right? Right. When you start getting competitors coming out right. um, to copy you. So those are the difficult, th- those two things, margin of safety and the, and the moat. And the moat is the most important one. If you get the moat right, even if you pay too much for the business, you're going to do okay. If you get some margin of safety over what you know, we, you think it's going to be bigger in the future, I'll be willing to pay this for it. Um, so what I would want to pay for it is eight hundred. Uh, uh, sorry, if I if I'm going to pay eight billion, then I'd want to see eight hundred million 
coming in in owner earnings. And that's a lot of turning around. And they did have that from December of 19 through September of 20. They had a pretty solid almost $800 million right there. But of course, at that I point mean, in time, it was selling for $56 billion, And that's not the most eight. insane circumstances they yeah. could have ever and asked for. Like, as in like the best circumstances so for I them. Don't, I don't think it's on sale yet. Even, even if it was doing well financially in terms of cash flow, I don't think it's on sale yet. I think... As good as they were doing, their their cash flow wasn't yet there. Now, the caveat to that, honey, is this. They're trying to grow like crazy, so they're going to spend a lot of money. And having $800 million of owner earnings cash flow coming through when you're trying to spend a lot of money is sometimes not really possible, right? And so you might you got to understand this business well enough to know that if they weren't trying to grow at 30% a year, they would have the own earnings there and it's your money. You're just happy that they're spending it the way they're mm -hmm. spending it and they're growing like mm -hmm. a weed. Yeah. So you can adjust for that, but that's, that's more sophisticated. We're not going to get into that right now. So anyway, I just, maybe that's enough on Peloton. I just wanted to tell you, it could be interesting. It could be, but I think even at 26, it's still not there. It's not where it's going to be interesting enough. There's still got too many fans, too many people are willing to own it. It's right back to pretty much its its initial offering price, which obviously was full of upside, and they they may still be full of upside. But I'm going to sit here and watch it. I think it's a wonderful and interesting company at a very. I minimum. just I got to add, considering our recent conversation about Activision Blizzard, this is another founder led company, mm -hmm. obsessive baby of the founder that mm -hmm. has had a major dip in fortune and in stock price. And could be a very prime sell target. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. somebody could. I absolutely somebody could, could come see in that. and snag and this. And since since Peloton was created, people have been saying Apple was going to buy them because it was mm. such a good synergy between the two of them. Mm. Interesting. I could totally see it. I don't know if it'll happen, but you can. I can imagine Lululemon buying them. Well, you got to look then and say, Apple them. looks at this and goes, okay, $8 billion and, and what are we getting, right? That we can't build ourselves. That's, that's always the buyer build question, right? When you've mm -hmm. got a huge amount of cash flow like Apple, do we buy it or do we build it, you know? So yeah, lots of synergies there, very potential takeover, but is this the right price? You know, is somebody going to say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to spend that. I'm, I'm thinking about just right while I was talking about this, I talked to Bob Iger on, uh, on, uh, what do we do a podcast with Bob or is that something else I did with him? No, it was something else you did. I think I just did a video with him. And, um, of course he was CEO of Disney and was retiring. Super, super good guy. And we were talking a little bit about the, uh, Pixar acquisition where he paid, I think six to $8 billion for hmm. Pixar. Far, a huge number giant huge number right yeah yeah uh that that you'd have to be dizzy to make sense out of that and understand what he was trying to get right and and so when it comes to acquisitions the numbers can be extraordinarily big way bigger than i could possibly think would make sense as an individual investor because i don't know the synergies there right i don't know what you're going to do with that company when you take it over so when you're saying yeah, there's exactly. synergies with apple i mean god it may be worth eight billion to them i don't know 
I feel like we spent a lot of time like not answering the question of of whether of whether or not Peloton has a great moat or not. Um, I'm. I think it's got a. It's got something there. I've got to dig deeper. I mean, this is where we ended up last time. It's got something there. We like it. We see the upside. We see the network effects could be really strong. It hasn't gotten there yet. I mean, think about Facebook. What keeps what keeps Facebook smashing the ball out of the park are companies that are advertising on it because everybody's there. I mean, they've got more data, better data than anybody on the planet, and they can get you to your market better than anybody on the planet can do it. And that's just so valuable because everybody's there. I don't know why I would care if everybody's there on Peloton. I just told you why. Why? Because then you ride with your friends. Well, of course. And you create community with other people who are similar to you in various ways. I guess if you've got equipment you want to sell people, you'd advertise there maybe. Yeah, but how are you going to monetize that? They monetize it by one, selling their equipment, and two, their monthly subscription fee. Okay. So okay. Well, as we far as about a the subscription moat, fee. subscriptions the, are great. The, the people who have bought a bike, those people are in the moat. Those people are, you know, unless they've got the kind of money where they're buying multiple things and don't care, they're locked in for a while. But now, is, is it can possible they that z- bring more people in to buy the bike at $2,500? Is that going to keep going? Now, do I, I have to buy a Peloton bike or can I go out and buy an outdoor racing bike and stick it on a machine in my house and still do Peloton the way I want to do it, which is full the full benefit of Peloton? No, you have, have to buy have a their Peloton machine? To, to have the full, like... I got to buy Seeing their people bike. in the classes and being in the classes with your heart rate okay. and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, maybe we'll think about this more or maybe we're done thinking about it. I don't know, but <laughs> don't let's know call it a day again. <laughs> I think that's okay. enough on Peloton. It's enough on Peloton right now. All right. <laughs> you guys Thanks, take care. everybody. Time to Bye. go play. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding. They really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And it's really important. It's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that. You're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.